Yeah. You don't know it right now. But I'm watching you. Watching the things you do. I'm watching the way you treat people. The way you treat me and my mom and my sister. The way you live your life is having a big impact on me. When it's time for me to choose a career and provide for my family, your work ethic will be on my mind. The time you spend with me, even doing simple things, will give me a sense of security. There will be times in my life where I struggle with integrity and I may be not sure what to do. But I will recall how you stood up for what was right, even if you could have looked the other way. Many of the choices you are making, I will also make. Please don't be afraid to show me your failures. To show me your mistakes, I will learn from them. Dad, are you listening? I'm watching. Watching to see if you really believe what you say about God. I need you to help show me the way. Show me how to live life that isn't safe, but is good. So I'm watching you, Dad, every day. You're teaching me how to live, whether you know it or not. Good morning, Heart Church. Morning. Happy Father's Day. So excited about today. I got my Father's Day shirt on. Thank you. In case you were wondering why I was wearing this shirt, it's because it's Father's Day. Hello. Clearly, this is a Father's Day shirt. Lamont, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Hey, everybody. My name is Shane. I'm the Heart Church pastor here with my wife, Heather. And uh, man, we're excited. Uh, right now, we have a live um, Facebook audience, as well as sort of a studio audience, uh, as the country slowly opens back up. And um, man, we just believe God's on the move. We believe the church is, um, is not dead, it's alive. And despite um, things going on in our world and a lot of uncertainties, we have a lot of things that we can anchor our lives on, and that's Jesus Christ and his church. Uh, really the only hope for changing society. And so we're kind of going all in on that. And so I have a Father's Day message today, uh, and we're going to start uh, by reading uh, a scripture out of 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle, as much as I just want to celebrate the, the biological fatherhood in the room, uh, I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a different angle in our celebration of fathers. And so go with me on this journey. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15 and 17 says this, 
For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Father God, we just, uh, we come to you and pause for a moment as we open up your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and it will abide forever. There's a lot of things in this world that won't abide and last forever, but your word will. And so Jesus, we ask that as we open it up, as we read it, Jesus, that you would change us, that you would speak to us, that you would open up our eyes, that we would be different as we behold you and have a glimpse of who you are and who you've called us to be. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this message is, is directed at fathers, directed at the idea of fathers, but I want um, the mothers and, um, and soon-to-be mothers um, or single moms or even just single ladies to know that this is also for you. Uh, even though I'm going to use the word father, you can actually almost replace it with mother every time. Uh, but nevertheless, let me kind of dive into this idea of my Father's Day message. Um, and I want to start by the, fa the fact that um, God refers to himself as father. That's obvious. And, and it's one of his favorite titles. In fact, it's sort of the title that he chose for himself when he named the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, we know that God has a lot of names. In fact, you could do an entire series on all of the names of God, and they're all profound, and they all speak to one, you know, one Godhead. But yet, the name specifically that he chose to himself for himself, and the name that Jesus, the Son, refers to when he speaks to God, is Father. And so we know that this role, this title, this name is very near and dear to our heart. I mean, to the Father's heart. God's heart. Um, and yet, it's interesting because it's one of the few names of God that he also invites us men to have. Father. So he's the father. In fact, it's one of his greatest titles. And then yet he invites us to have that sin, which is interesting because I can't think of any other names that, that, that would be names of God that he also invites you and I to have. I mean, can you imagine like I am or Alpha and Omega? Like I don't get to carry that title, right? The way, the truth, and the life, right? Uh, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Like I don't get to carry those titles. In fact, they sound a lot more epic. And yet God the Father, Father is such an important role and title for God. And he invites us to carry that title, Father. What was he thinking? I remember when, when I first, uh, when Heather and I were first leaving the hospital, and those of you who have had kids, you can kind of relate with this. Um, when, when we had Caleb, our firstborn, and we were getting ready to leave the hospital, I remember the panic that set in as soon as I took that, um, that uh, baby um, car seat, carrying this little guy. Now, Caleb was born a little bit premature, so he was a little bit young, um, you know, like four pounds something ounces, so he was very small. So, I mean, super petite, taking this car seat out to the car, strapping it into the car. I remember like it was yesterday. Get in the front seat and instantly. I'm like, <gasps> really? They're letting me take this life home? 
Do I bring him back in a day? Are they going to check in on me? What do I do now? <laughs> I mean, really? Am I... Man, this is pretty epic. I don't know. And I remember being excited and privileged, but I remember the panic of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? And am I really equipped <laughs> to take care of this life? And yet God has invited us in to this amazing role. So Paul says something interesting though in this passage because he says, there are many teachers. Another translation says many instructors. Um, 10,000, in fact, and yet few fathers. And I'm kind of thinking like, what do you mean few fathers? Like there's an entire day today dedicated to all of the millions of fathers that are on the earth, that have ever been, all the grandfathers. I mean, Paul, what what are we missing here? There are millions of fathers. And yet he says, there are a few fathers. And so I kind of want to delineate for a minute from a biological role that, that we were asked to play as fate would have it versus the heart of a father that we're invited to carry. And it's almost like this scripture could read a little bit differently For though you might have 10,000 dads, coaches, teachers, bosses, yet you do not have many men who carry the heart of a father. You know, you could be somebody that's never had biological kids and yet carry the heart of a father. Um, There's a simple idea that I want you to kind of consider. Being a father is either a role you play. It'll be up on the screen. It's either a role you play or a heart you carry. It's either a role you play or a heart you carry. See, the role of a father is an assignment for a season with a grade at the end. How many dads know what I'm talking about? The grade at the end is, how did they turn out, right? And we all have regrets. We all have, oh, I could have been there for this, or I could have done this more. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And so it's a role that we play for a season. Now, granted, you're always the father, but at the end of the day, there's that 18 years where they're in your home, and if you're an empty nester or you're grandpa already, then you'll know, and I've already heard this from many wise grandpas in the room that say that time, goes quick, doesn't it? That 18 years or 17 years or 19 years, whatever that time is that's so critical, it's an assignment. It's a role for a specific season. And at the end, the rest of their life is the grade that you get as how you did on that role. Or at least that's how we see ourselves. But the heart of a father is an invitation to a lifelong journey of transformation and impact. The heart of a father. This is what I believe that Paul's referring to, that I believe is what awakens each of us to the true calling that we're called to. And this is the role that I want to truly celebrate on Father's Day. See, anybody can have a biological child, but to carry a heart of the father into that role and into your life for the rest of your life, into the different relationships is an entirely different thing. And this is what Paul's saying is that, listen, we don't need more people that, got, that, that, that are willing to give you information. 
Hello. We don't need people, more people spouting off on social media. We don't have, need more people that have, that have all kinds of opinions and blogs and all these things. What we need is more people who are going to carry the heart of a father and a mother. The heart of a father. Look at the world around us. I think that, that if Paul were here, he'd be saying the same thing. You've got plenty of people that are willing to give their opinion. You have few people who are stepping into relationship and carrying the heart of the Father in their relationships. It is so incredibly powerful. Okay, so I want to I take a look at a guy that, um, that I think epitomizes um, somebody that went from the transition of got a lot going for them in life, kind of at the peak of their career, but, but had something missing. This heart of a father. And at the end of his peak of his career, he crashed and burned because he was missing something so significant that if we're not careful, you and I could miss once we get past the role, the season of fatherhood or motherhood, what's next? And I believe that what's next is so profound that God invites us into. And so we're going to look at a guy named Elijah. See, If you look at 1 Kings and you look at this prophet, Elijah, who was the biggest, most profound prophet of his day. You remember when when, when he went up on uh, Mount Carmel and he had 400 prophets of Baal and he was calling down fire onto the altar and then literally wiped out all these prophets, had this incredible moment with God. Then he went from there and he went up on the mountain. Remember there was a drought? And remember, he told his servant, hey, go and look to see if there's going to be a cloud because I believe the rain's coming. I believe that God is sending the rain on the earth. And, 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 and seven times he sends them back. And then he says, see, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And he had the faith to say, it's coming. It hasn't rained for three years, but a cloud this size, he believes it's coming. And he supernaturally ran faster than the chariot, beat the chariot back to town. And sure enough, a flood or uh, the rain came. This was a prophet that did incredible things. And at the end of that whole scenario, he finds himself depressed in a cave, literally crying out to God, like, God, I'm the only one. And we pick up in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. This is what the Lord says. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replies uh, in verse 10, I'm alone. I'm left, and now they are trying to kill me. It's this picture that we have of Elijah saying like, oh my gosh, God, he's whining, he's crying. Like, what in the world am, am I doing with my life? It's kind of like a midlife crisis. He's getting ready to go out and buy a convertible and drive around. Like, he's literally that guy. He needs to get himself a Harley. And so many guys are there. He's like, well, is there something wrong with that? Like, I just got a Harley. So many of us men are trying to find our purpose and our fulfillment and Elijah step into his shoes like he's got so many accomplishments and yet guess what? Newsflash, it's not enough. Ever been in, your, in a time in your life where all the stuff isn't enough? There's got to be, there's something more here. And this is where Elijah found himself. And it's interesting because the kind of the, the flavor of this conversation reminded me of another conversation. 
Do you remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son left and he did his, you know, wayward living. The father, you know, was pacing the porch and then they saw the son. He ran out of the son and he said, let's throw a party. And you know the third person in the story? It was the big brother. And the big brother stayed in the house, didn't go out to see the son, stayed in the house. And what did he do? Well, he complained. Uh, Luke chapter 15 says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat. Hmm. Where's my young goat? So I could celebrate with my friends. I'm going to go get a Harley. It's the, same, it's the same spirit as Elijah. Elijah's like, God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that serves you. What are you going to do for me? Like, what have you done for me lately? I've done all this for you. And God's response to Elijah is like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing in the cave? More importantly, what's your next step? Because what you do next will define you. It will define how people remember you. It will define the success of your next season. And it will define whether or not your best days are behind you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because this is where Elijah was. Are my best days behind me? I did all these cool things? Or, or is there something next? Turn to your neighbor and say, is there something next? See, because, because if we're not careful, we get stuck in that place where those 17 years, those 18 years, that season, that specific role becomes the thing. And when the thing's done and we move on, we look back and go, our best days were behind me. And I believe that God's calling us to something so much more fulfilling and so much greater. And he calls Elijah to this. See, many people get stuck in this big brother role. There's a big difference between a big brother, the prodigal son's big brother, that big brother spirit or heart and a father heart. Has nothing to do with the biological role. Big brother compares. A big brother's competitive. Whereas a father is there to lay his life down for somebody. And more importantly, see these shoulders? They're broad enough for somebody else to stand on them so that they can go higher than me. That's the spirit of a father. But a big brother is constantly comparing and constantly fighting that. See, many people are stuck in that. Elijah had lost his way, and so God introduces him to a new idea. And what, what happens next is where I actually started when I started this message. I actually started with what happens next. And then I'm like, I wonder what happened before this. And then I realized, oh my gosh, Elijah was literally at the peak of his career and then crashed and burned. And this happens so many times in life. The best days are behind me. And what happens next is this invitation that God gives to Elijah. He's inviting him into a next season. And he literally says, I want you to go find Elisha. Now, if you know, know the story, there's Elijah and Elisha. And if you're, you know, in Sunday school or reading your Bible, oftentimes we get those names interchanged and we can't remember, is there a J or is, is it two people? Is it just one? Which one came before which? Well, Elijah with the J came first and then Elisha came second. 
I want you to read, I want you to read with me in 1 Kings chapter 19. And this is what God instructed Elijah to do with his midlife crisis. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shehophat, plowing in a field with a team of oxen. There were 11 teams of oxen ahead of him, and he was plowing with the 12 teams. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and walked away again. And Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah. This is absolutely astounding to me. The, the, the greatest prophet in the world comes to this place where he is midlife crisis to the max. The best days are behind me. And God says, I have to solve. It's not another miracle. It's not more cool stuff. It's not another, another mission that I'm going to send you on. I have the greatest solve in the world. Ready? It's not about If, if your life ends and that's all there was and there's nothing, no one that can stand on your shoulders and take this forward, then you've absolutely missed the greatest thing in your life. Because the truth is, Elijah's greatest accomplishment, and if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Elijah's greatest accomplishment, and if he could look back on the things he did and the miracles he did and the way that God used him, I mean, talk about a powerful man of God, and you could lump all of that up, and it would not come close to his greatest accomplishment, Elisha. Elisha was his greatest pride and joy. Elisha did twice the miracles that Elisha did. Elisha carried twice the anointing and the mantle of Elijah. Why? Because Elijah embraced the spirit and heart of a father. And he said, you know what? At the end of the day, my best days are not behind me. They're in front of me because I'm going to let somebody else stand on my shoulders. And I'm going to say, you be greater than me. It's like John the Baptist spirit. I must decrease. You must increase. That's the heart of the father. I must decrease. You must increase. And I'm telling you, it's reverse. Like everything else in the kingdom of God, it's reverse. It sounds like you're getting less when you're getting more. When you decrease, you become more fulfilled. You have a greater impact. This is the heart of a father. I want to I talk to you about um, three quick things that are going to be practicals to kind of sum all this up. Because I believe that at the end of the day, you don't have to have a child. You don't have to be a, a biological uh, father or mother. You don't have to be special. You don't have to have a degree. You certainly don't have to be a prophet to step into this incredible role that our world needs more than ever. And I'm going to pivot right now and I'm just going to talk to everybody and not just fathers because I believe that the, the need is equally there. We need the fathers and mothers to step up and lead and care and father and mother in this generation more than ever before. Amen. Your best days are ahead of you if you will pivot. 
And some of you already have. Some of you are already in the middle of that, allowing people, others, to stand on your shoulders. And, 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 and I hear this a lot. I don't have anything to offer, especially as men. Men, we're, we're typically very critical on ourselves. I don't have a lot to offer. Maybe you used, maybe you are grading yourself on what you had to offer based on how you did in those 18 years of actual fatherhood. And so you're carrying that on as, oh, I, apparently I don't have anything to offer as a father. And I'm telling you, that's the big brother mindset. You're still comparing yourself. You don't have a lot to offer compared to who? The greater question is, who's in your life and what do they need? Who's in your life and what do they need? I love this, this uh, 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 Elijah's having this crisis and he's like, I'm the only one in the world that even loves you. And you know what God's uh, uh, solve was? Go find one person. Pour yourself into them. It wasn't like go find 50, not even 12. Go find one. I mean, Prophet Elijah probably had the capacity to disciple more than one. But God said, no, all I need is one. The significance and an impact of just one. Go find one. And pour yourself into them. See, Elijah, you were impressive. But you can be impressive from a distance. Now it's time to impact and you impact up close. It's time to let somebody into your life. It's time to throw your cloak around somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, gives us three things that remain. And I'm going to land the plan on this. These, three, uh, these things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So I want to give you three practicals. The first is this. Um, affirmation of love, empowerment of hope, and journey of faith. Affirmation of love, empowerment of hope, journey of faith. Um, these are practical things that we can do in people's lives. And um, I want to look at the father and the way that he did this for the son, his son, Jesus. Affirmation of hope. When the, our first interaction that we see with Jesus and his father was when John the Baptist was baptized. He came out of the water and there was an audible voice that says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Affirmation of love. You know, want to know how to father? Start there. Affirmation of love. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anybody. I love you just the way you are. Let's start there. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm proud of you. Let those words come out of our mouth. Don't just think them. Say them. Text them. Post them as much as you possibly can. We have people that are constantly surrounding us that absolutely need those words more than you could possibly imagine. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you because I promise you they don't feel that. They don't feel that. But if you speak those words over them, it will begin to form their identity. And that is the essence of what we see with the father and his son, Jesus, is this is my son. And I'm proud of you. I love you, I'm proud of you, and I'm glad you're mine. And this isn't just biological, guys. Fathers, mothers, let's step into this role. Secondly, empowerment 
of hope. I believe in you. You can do anything. And we see this when after, after Jesus, after God said, this is my son whom I well pleased, what happens? He sends the power of the Holy Spirit and empowers him to head into the desert. This, this hope that we can instill into the lives of people. I believe in you because with God, all things are possible. They need that. They need that to come out of our mouth. They need that. Men, we're not always great at speaking and I'm calling you out to begin to use your mouth. I believe in you. You can do anything. With the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in authority, walking in power, you don't have to settle for being defeated in the, you know, the fight for the lust, lust of, the, of the flesh and the fight for addictions and the fight in this world and, and, and the peer pressures and all these things. Us as men instilling that into young people. You can do it. With the Spirit of God in you, you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be defeated. You can walk with power and authority. And lastly, uh, a, a journey of faith. Remember, it's faith, hope, and love. A journey of faith. And we see this as Jesus went into the desert and he spent 40 days working it out. Life's hard. The worst thing we could do for our spiritual kids our um, adopted kids, our biological kids, the worst thing we can do for them is shield them from life. The worst thing we can do is sell them a narrative that life is easy, right? That everything is gonna go well for you. And I love the fact that the God the Father sent his son, whom he loves, with the power of the Holy Spirit, into the fire. And you know what? He was with him. The Bible says that ministering angels stayed there with him. Let me bring you to this journey of Faith. Why do we need faith? Because life is hard. It's not easy, but God is with you and faith will rise up in you and you can overcome anything. And so bringing the generation along in the good, the bad, and the ugly and say, listen, you can hold on to your faith in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the hard things. Walking with them, walking alongside of them is so incredibly powerful. So I want to end with this simple idea. Either the best days are behind you. And what that looks like depends on how you view your years of child rearing. How you're currently viewing those years. Or you can pivot. And the pivot is, wait, I, fatherhood doesn't have to just be a role that I played. It can be a heart that I carry inviting us into a journey just like Elijah, where our greatest accomplishments can be yet to come to a generation that needs shoulders to stand on. They need love in their life. They need a powerful hope that they're called to, and then they need people who are willing to journey along with them in life. Father God, I thank you for this incredible role, a role that you carry and we couldn't possibly measure up. But Jesus, nevertheless, you invite us in to be fathers. And Paul, you said it. There are few fathers and we need them now more than ever. And so God, I pray by your spirit that you would awaken something in us. Those of us who felt less than, 
felt like we didn't have anything to offer. Holy Spirit, would you remind us of who we are and what we have because of the Holy Spirit, our new identity in Christ, and then open up our eyes to see the opportunities of people, sons and daughters, that we can speak life into and throw our cloak around in this journey of faith. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.